I want to get straight into the Word this morning. We started our series last week. For those of you that weren't here, we began a new series last week called Fearless. And we're looking at living lives that are fearless because we understand God's love. So 1 John 4, 17, the Bible says, Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as He is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear hath or involves torment. He that fears is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. I want you to know this morning that we live fearless lives, knowing that we may have boldness on the day of judgment, because here in the cross, we started our series last week. We had a look at the fact that the Bible says John makes this, this you can almost say what, a random statement in the middle of his, of his book. John is the same John who wrote the Gospel of John. He wrote 1, 2, 3 of John. And he also wrote the book of Revelation, the same John. But he writes and he says, Herein, he says, is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. You know, it's amazing to think that the cross of Jesus Christ, although we symbolize our faith with the cross, sometimes we don't really fully understand God's love for us. Sometimes we think we have to have more love for God. Sometimes we think we have to increase our love for God. And yes, we have to do our part to love God. But the Bible says, uh, the, herein is our love made perfect. The understanding that on the cross of Calvary, the Bible said the greatest demonstration of love ever given was Christ giving His life for us. And the Bible says what? That we love Him because He first loved us. I want to say to you this morning, we can live fearless lives. What, is it, what does it mean to say when John writes and he says that we may have boldness in the day of judgment? So many Christians misunderstand this powerful statement in the midst of John's book. He says we can have boldness in the day of judgment. You know, recent studies, Christian uh, uh, psychologist studies reveal that 80% of Christian clients who are struggling with depression and low self-esteem live with the fear and anxiety of being punished by God for their sins and shortcomings and or God, or God is unable to forgive them of their sins. So many people live with anxiety, fear. What will I do one day when I get before God, when I've made all these mistakes in my life? And John writes and he says, Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. I want to say to you that although we're all going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ, the Bible says we're not going to, what, we're not going to be judged by God. Why? Because His Son was judged for us on Calvary. Can you say amen this morning? And so we had a look at this last week as we laid a foundation. And it's often the remedy to people that are going through crisis or struggles. And my question to us this morning is, what fear are you holding on to that is causing torment in your life and your mind? Because the Bible said, perfect love casts out fear. The Bible says that perfect, the perfect love of God, understanding God's perfect love for us, understanding that God loves us first, and because He first loved us, we now love Him in return. You see, you can't out-love God. I often tell my children, can we maybe just put the air conditioners on, please, so I can just see the people this morning, if you don't mind, please, for a few moments. I know it's cold in here, so we try not to make you too cold. I just want to see you for a moment. But I often tell my children that before they try to love me or Sharon as, our par- as their parents, so they try to out-love us and tell us, you know, Dad, we love you, Dad, we love you, Dad, we love you, Mom, we love you. I understand that. Your child's love for a parent, if you've had a, 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 a family life that you, you grew up in, I understand the fact that we want to try and love our parents. But I often tell my kids, I tell them, listen, you can never out-love me because before you knew me, I knew you. Before you were born, I saw you on a sonar that the doctor told us you're having a child. And we started to fall in love with our kids and then they were birthed in the natural and we've loved them ever since. 
And I want you to understand this morning that your Christian faith is exactly the same. Although we serve God and although we are saved by God and we're grateful for our salvation, we must understand this fundamental truth, this fundamental principle that your life is found in Christ. And John writes and he says, herein, herein the cross of Jesus Christ lies this truth that so many people don't understand. That our love is made perfect that we can have boldness in the day of judgment because as He is in this world, so are we. So how is Christ in this world? Well, the Bible says Christ has overcome. Christ is victorious. Christ died. The Bible says on the cross, He was buried in a tomb for three days. He rose. He ascended. And He is now seated at the right hand of the Father. I'll explain Superman in a moment for the visitors. You'll come into the picture now. I'm sitting on Jesus' chair. I'm not trying to be Jesus. It's an example. But the Bible says He came. What do we know? He died. He was buried. He rose. He ascended. And He entered the place of holiness. The Bible said at the right hand of the Father. And He sat down. We know that the fact that our high priest Jesus sat down. The Bible says He sat down once and for all. We know that in the Old Covenant, there's two covenants in your Bible. The Old Covenant on this side of the cross and the New Covenant on this side. A misunderstanding most Christians don't understand. The Old Covenant, this side, Adam. Romans 5.19, through one man's disobedience, Adam, all became unrighteous. And through one man's obedience, Christ, all became righteous. Notice, nowhere was there any human intervention in that. You were born into this earth with a sinful nature, the nature of Adam. It was through Adam's disobedience that all men became sinful. Pastor, but are you calling me a sinner? Well, I don't know when the first time that you lied when you were a child, but I lied naturally. I never attended a lying class in my life. I just started to lie. Who stole this? Wasn't me, mom. It was my brother or my sister. We just naturally are born with a sinful nature. And the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. Yet God understood the predicament mankind found itself in. And so often from the pulpits around the world, people will tell people, you must change your behavior to be closer to God. We sometimes preach the the gospel as a sin management message. We often preach the gospel as a behavior change message. If you change your behavior, God will be pleased with you and He'll save you. Is the message we get told often. I lived with fear all my life, most of my life. My parents got saved, radically born again. And I thought, well, I was this drinker, this party guy in the world, not understanding my true nature in Adam. All I was told by people was, you must change. And I was trying my best to change, and my best efforts was getting worse. Captain Morgan and I got closer and closer the more the church put laws on me. I became worse. And the Bible says that the law of Moses or the law empowers sin. Let me read it to you. The Bible says this. The Bible says that in 1 Corinthians 15, 56, the strength of sin is the law. And I want you to understand this morning as we go into the series, we can live fearless lives, not lives that are out of control because most people get skittish. They start becoming nervous. Pastor, are you telling me that you, I can do what I want? No. Why would you want to do what you want? You're already doing what you want before I told you that. But the Bible says this, that the strength of sin is the law. Oh, covenant, this side. We had a nature. Sakile, where's Sakile? Come quickly, brother. You were Adam last week. You were Adam again this week. 
Come stand here. Sakila is still single. Anybody? Did anybody inbox you? He's got a degree. He's got money. He's got intellect. He just needs a wife. Amen. So I'm trading him off today. Um, he's available. Uh, what are you going for? Did you know in your culture, you have to pay for the bride. In my culture, I have to pay for the wedding. That's not fair. We must change. We must swap. We must have a discussion. We have to get Labola, I think, in my world. Amen. Sakile, before he got saved, we're using example this morning. Before Sakile got saved, he was in Adam. The Bible says you're either in Adam or you're in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17, for anyone who is in Christ. Superman will come in the picture now. Sakile was in Adam. So often we get taught or we, we say to people, well, I gave my life to Christ. And sure, we have to make a decision. We believe and we receive Christ into our heart. It could come to us as if we gave our life to Christ. I understand that. But we never gave anything before we understood who Christ was. The Bible said, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So the truth of the matter is that Christ first gave His life for us. And when He gave His life for us, He died, He buried, He he rose, He ascended, and He sat down at the right hand of His Father. In the Old Covenant, under Moses, we know in our Bibles it says what? It says that the high priest or the priest who ministered the blood sacrifice in the, in the tabernacle were never allowed to sit down. So a chair was not an ornament inside the tabernacle. Why? Because the covering of, of animal blood was not sufficient to get rid of human sin. So every day, every week, every month, they would atone for human sins. Did you know that in the Old Covenant, the Bible says that only one day in the year, the Day of Atonement, did they take blood for human sin, for Israel's sin? They would take the blood of a, a bull or a goat or a calf. They would slaughter the animal and they would bring this blood offering before God for the forgiveness of human sin. I was watching a, a, a series this last week on television about a Jewish family. And it came to Yom, Yom Kippur, which is their Jewish New Year. And one of the children asked the parents in the series, they said, what is this, what's the meaning of this Yom Kippur, of this holiday, this, this Jewish holiday? And, the, and the, the actor in the in the movie said, in the series said, well, it's when we come before God and we ask God to forgive us of last year's sin. And then we look forward to how God is going to treat us in the year that lies ahead. Imagine living like that. And that's exactly what's in our Bibles. That's how today a Jew lives. We come before God and we ask God to forgive us of our last year's sins. Then we try to change our behavior. We try to make some promises to God like Peter made to Jesus three times. I promise, I promise. And he let himself and Jesus down. And yet Christ still comes back for him. But you see, when we start to live this life of I'm not doing enough to please God. I'm not doing enough to be saved. There's still more I have to do. You don't fully understand the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And I want to say to you today, that doesn't give us a license to sin. But the Bible says when we're in Adam, we have an old identity. And when we come into Christ, we receive a new identity. Now, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, for any man or woman who is in Christ. So we're in Christ. Sakile was unsaved. He believed in the gospel. Come aside, my brother. He came through the cross because there's only one mediator, one mediation. There's not many roads that lead to heaven. Not all roads lead to heaven. Not all roads lead to Rome. Not all roads lead to Rome. No, the Bible says there's only one way in which a man can get to heaven. But through the mediation, through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So Sakile put his faith into Christ. He believed and he comes on this side. Now, he's standing on this side of his salvation. It's still the, the flesh box of Sakile, the old human nature we see. Or the old human uh, uh, 
outfit, we see this human body. But the identity has now changed. What happens when you come into Christ? The Bible says you now get put into Christ. Now, we used last week this analogy, and we saw Superman last week could do a one-arm push-up because we can do more things through Christ and all things through Christ who strengthens us. But now what I want you to understand is the minute you get born again, your this is what we still see. We still see this human, and we say, well, he hasn't changed, or he's still sinning, or he's still this. We want to judge this outside box. But the Bible said to any man who is in Christ, our new spiritual identity now gets placed inside the suit. And we use this as an example. So I'm not trying to promote marvel to you. I told Cape Town North, I just marvel at my wife every week. Amen. That's how you get brownie points, men. So Sakile, his new identity in Christ is in the suit. So this is what is presented before God, this is what is still on the earth that walks by faith, has to take certain thoughts captive, renew his mind. But this is the new identity that he was given. Because the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, that the Bible says what? That you became alive together with him. And you are now seated with Christ in heavenly places. So spiritually, Sakile is seated here. He's inside the suit. You can't see when you want to talk about Sakile's a new nature, it's in Christ. It's found in Christ. We also had a look last week at the fact that not only are we in Christ, but Christ is also in us. Amen. So we're in Christ and Christ is in us. It's a dual relationship. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not heads you win, tails you lose. The gospel of Jesus Christ is heads you win, tails you win. Let me say that again. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not heads you win, tails you lose. The gospel of Jesus Christ is heads you win, tells you win. Why? Because when you're in Christ and Christ is in you, you win both ways. Now let me show you. So when we talk about God, our Father, we find what? That in God is Christ. Jesus said what? If you know me, you'll know the Father. For the Father and I are one. So we see Christ is in God. But not only is Christ in God, we notice what? We see that we are now in Christ. So now we are inside Jesus. It's Christ in us and, Christ, and us in Christ. Not only that, but we also notice what's now. Inside of, of you and I is the Holy Spirit. So it's, it's, it's Holy Spirit in us. It's us in Christ. It's Christ in God. And together we are one. Now, if you are in Christ and Christ is in you, and you are now seated in heavenly places with a new identity in Christ, John says, because of this new identity, because of Christ's obedience, you now got this new identity. You did not get this new identity through your good works. You did not get this good identity through your religious acts. You did not get this identity by anything any human did. You got this identity because of what Christ did on Calvary. And because of this, we live fearlessly, knowing that we can approach the day of judgment with boldness. <laughs> I want you to get this because sometimes it's got to sink in. It's like, Pastor, sometimes the remedy to, to battles people go through is they say, have more faith. And I told you last week, we never discard faith because the Bible says now these three things remain. 1 Corinthians 13, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And I don't talk about love, Valentine's Day, flowers with a date night, which is good for your marriage. 
the eros love. But the agape, unconditional love of God, notice it's unconditional. And often when we hear the gospel message, we hear a message of conditions. If you, then God. And I want to tell you this morning, God, we love Him because He first loved us. You see, it's no longer if you, then God. You see, I want to tell you this morning, He has, therefore you can. Let me say that again. He has, therefore you can. Paul the Apostle writes, he says, I was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He says, I was circumcised on the eighth day. I sat at the feet of Gamaliel. I did all the things required of me as a Jew. I followed the law of Moses. I tried to keep the Ten Commandments to the best of my ability. I tried to do everything in my human flesh as a great Jewish citizen. But he said, but then I encountered Christ on the road to Damascus. And I had this new identity. I changed. I became Paul. Saul, I became Paul. He said, I now am in Christ and I find I have a new identity. He says, now that I have this new identity, I consider everything else of the soul life rubbish. But to know Him. But to know Him. Listen what he says. I want you to get this this morning. Sometimes we're living this life of fear because we think God is going to judge us. John 5, 45. Listen what your Bible says. Jesus being, do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. This is in your Bible, by the way. I haven't made this up. Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one that accuseth you, even Moses, in whom you trust. So Jesus writes and he says, do not think, he's talking to the Jews. He says, do not think that I have come like Moses. He says, the law of Moses, he says, the ministry of death, which Paul writes in Corinthians, he says the, the, the ministry of Moses was a ministry of death. It brought judgment and condemnation. You had to, you had to, you had to. And if you didn't, you were guilty. You had to, you had to, you had to. And if you didn't, you were guilty. Now as born again Christians, we think to ourselves, I have to, I have to, I have to. And if I don't, I'm guilty. Now my, my brother, my sister, I want to tell you, when you were in Adam, you were guilty. When you were in Adam, you were hopeless. When you were trying to do things in your own you, uh, strength and humanity, we were all found guilty. But there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. You see, because God doesn't, God doesn't look at Sakile any longer only as a flesh box in Adam because Sakile came through the mediation of Christ. He put his faith in Christ. And he's now on the other side of the cross and he's standing on this side. It's still the man, the flesh man, Sakile. But the identity that's before Jesus in heaven is this. And he says, do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. The Bible says we have a great advocate. The Bible says when the enemy accuses you of all of your wrongdoings, when the enemy tells you you are useless and worthless, that you're not worth anything, when the enemy tells you that you should take your own life, when the enemy tells you there's no second chance or there's no way of a comeback, the Bible says don't think that Christ is sitting in His heavenly seat accusing you. The Bible said no. Why? Because your new identity is perfect. You might have a battle there, but your new identity is perfect in Christ. And the Bible says what? He's defending you before the accuser. Your father is not accusing you. He's defending you. We have a great advocate. His name is Jesus Christ. And he stands between you and life and death. Amen. Come on, that is some good news this morning. You can give Jesus a shout of praise all over this place. I know, I know, I know. Now, I must have more faith. Paul writes, listen, we're getting to faith next week, so I don't think I'm against faith. I'm awful faith. But if you don't understand love, 
you're going to try and replace love with faith. And Paul writes, listen, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 2, he says, And though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains. You just can't take table mountain, we make money off it, leave it here. And though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains, listen, but have not love, I'm nothing. He says the foundation to your faith is the understanding of love. And it's not a love you have for God first. It's an understanding of God's love for you. It's an understanding that when you live in fear of being judged one day by a gracious, loving father, he says fear involves torment. And torment makes you restless. It makes you not sleep at night. Torment makes you worry about your tomorrow. If your mind is tormented this morning, what's causing that torment? What fear is in your mind that's gripping your heart? The Bible says perfect love casts out fear. That word cast, we looked at it last week. It said what? Throwing away something as if not caring where it falls. I tell you this morning, you have to take that fear that is sitting in your heart or your mind and your head. And the Bible says you have to cast it away. Why? Because if you understand the perfect love of Christ, no greater love is anyone than this, than to lay down his life for his friends. I don't call you slaves anymore. I call you friends. Why did he call them friends? Because they weren't sons and daughters yet. Because they could only become sons and daughters through what? Inheritance of a testament. Told you last week. Pastor, am I in the will of God? Most Christians ask that question. Most humans ask that question. The rich young ruler comes to Jesus and he says, What must I do to go to heaven? Every human's question. Is the, is the question every human wants to know. I want to live a great life. I want to live a, a successful life. I want to live a, a good life. But I also want to go to heaven. I want both. I want the, my bread buttered on both sides. And so we have this wrestle, this battle. Is it going to evolve in a year? Am I in God's will? And I want to tell you this morning, you can never be outside of God's will. Why? Because what is God's will? Christ. If you're in Christ, you're in God's will. Why? Because anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. You see, my children, I, 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 they're written into my will. I have the last will and testament of Aidan Jeffrey. My wife's hoping she's in that as well, but she's, she's guaranteed in there because she's married to me. But my children wonder, am I in the will of my father? Well, they don't have an option if they're in my will or not. I have to write them into the will. Am I in the will of Jesus? Am I in the will of God? It doesn't matter. You don't get to determine if you're in the will of God. He has to write you into the will. And the way he writes you into the will is when he writes your name in the Lamb's book of life. How does he write your name in the Lamb's book of life? When you believe. When you do nothing. What must I do? Nothing. Just believe. But, but, but just believe. You see, for God so loved the world that he gave. Not God so loved the world that he condemned. Not so God loved the world that he judged you. Just reason with me for a moment, Christian. Reason with me for a moment. The Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Christ dies for us. So we're living out in the... I was, he's standing in the Star of the West. This is now me on this side, unsaved. Now they start saying, they sing, they go, yeah, take it off, take it off. So I start, off goes the shirt. Think, picture this. And I'm doing this, dancing to Macarena or something. I don't know where I was, what I was at. Living according to the flesh. And I was in this place and my parents were serving God and I thought, I'm not worthy. I'm not, I'm not good. I must change. I must first. I must first. 
I must first bury my father. I must first sell that piece of land. I must first stop sinning. I must first, I must first. And most people never actually get to a point where they really understand the foundation of their faith, which is God's love for you first. You see, God is calling many of you this morning to come into a relationship with Him, but you don't think you're worthy of that because you're trying to fix yourself up first. You're trying to adjust your behavior. Now, people say, Pastor, you're to, are you telling the church they can do what they want? No, I'm not telling you to do what you want. But I tell you right now, when your identity changes, your behavior is going to change. When your identity changes, you're going to follow your new identity. If I tell you you've got a million bucks in the bank or 10 million in the bank, but you don't know it, and you're living under financial struggle or financial battle, your choices will follow that mindset. You live a life of poverty and struggle, not knowing that you have 10 million in the bank. But if I tell you you've got 10 million in the bank, and you are, you, are, you are the heir of that promise of that inheritance, and you can do whatever you want with it, I guarantee you your choices will change. I guarantee you, you'll send us a photo on Facebook about you being on some island, and you won't be in church. Because you're going to be spending that money. Now, my children, are they in the will of Aiden? Well, guess what? I chose to write them in my will. But while I'm alive, breathing oxygen... My will is just a promise to them. So while Christ was on the earth in your four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, guess what happens? The, the inheritance to become a son and a daughter of God was just a promise. We weren't worthy or we weren't due to walk in the inheritance of Christ while He was still alive. But the minute Christ dies, the Bible says a testament or a will is only enacted at a death. A testament or a will is only enacted at a death. So when I die one day, whenever that might be, the lawyer is going to call my family in and say, your father wrote you into his will. You are in the will of Aden. Yes. You have now been left this, 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 and this, and it is yours. You mean I can, yes, you can. You mean I, I can, yes, you can. You mean I can buy, I can, I can, yes, you can. What's my father going to say? Nothing, because your, your father left you this inheritance because your father loved you. Now, when Christ died 2,000 years ago, humanity entered, what? The season of the inheritance in Christ. You now, when you believe, are not one day going to go to a place where there's a, a mansion. Yes, that is one day, but you can also live on earth walking and believing of the favor and the inheritance of God in this lifetime. Why? Because you are an heir of the promise of God. You are written into the will of God. Now, can we, can, we, can we be digging a hole in the wrong place in the will of God? Yes, we can. So the Bible said as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons and the daughters of God. So we can, we can be misled, maybe through not hearing correctly, but the Bible says we know that all things shall work together for good for those who love God. So now, when you are digging a hole, yeah, the Holy Spirit's going to tell you to go and dig the hole. Yeah, He's just going to move you in His will. But you can never be outside of the will of God if you're in Christ. The Bible says if you're not in Christ and you're in Adam, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Do you think God has now changed His mind about you? No. The Bible said God understood man's predicament. And man's predicament was a sin nature. And man's predicament... Did you know, I shared this week, that humanity entered an eating disorder. Most people that go through battles have eating disorders. One of the biggest things that people hide is eating disorders. Young girls, they look on Instagram, some girl's image, physical image, and they go, I'm not pretty, I'm ugly, I'm not worthy. 
And then they go into this mental space, mental health issues, which isn't real. It's a real thing. Depression's a real thing. But if you don't understand your new identity in Christ and you think that you are that and you're not this, you're going to think, I must, I must. And then they go into what is called an eating disorder. So Eve sold us out, Adam and Eve sold us out to an eating disorder. They took of the fruit and ate. It's a nature. So what does Jesus do? He restores the eating disorder by becoming the bread of life. And he says, I am the bread of life. For all these years you've been living in this eating disorder, you don't know who you are. You're going into binge eating. You're going into gluttony. You're going into bulimia. You're going into all these things, anorexia. Why? It's all signs of an eating disorder. It's the signs of an identity crisis. And the worst thing we can do to people who are already born into Adam, they didn't even choose to be born into Adam, but they were born into Adam by default through Adam's choices. Through one man's disobedience, all became unrighteous. The worst thing we can do to a young girl or to a young person battling with an eating disorder is put more rules and regulations into place. You know, because law, it will... It will, it will expedite sin, but love will liberate. Law will increase sin. Rules and regulations. The more my parents, as, as well as what they meant, the more they accused me, the more they tried to change me in their own humanity, the worse I became. The minute they stopped trying to put rules and regulations on me and they loved me unconditionally, that's the, when I ran back to the Father because I experienced love like I've never understood before. I want to say to you as a parent today, it's, it's real. We had at some time in our uh, raising our children at one point one of our children the, one of the siblings told the other when they were younger they were street, uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken reps they, they, they swelled a little bit streetwise 2 plus 1 those, those you, you, it's, it's, they were a little bit podgy and uh, one of the siblings said to the other sibling if you go to high school and you've got fat on you you're going to be criticized and the one sibling said, well, I can't. So he stopped eating, eating disorder. When he went to, to grade eight, he was 47 kilograms. No one knows that. He was going through a battle, why? With his identity. Because of someone's words spoken over him. You stupid. You're not good enough. You're unworthy. You see, the Adam nature in us fears God. Genesis chapter 3. The Adam nature in us fears God. Before Christ, listen, I'm almost closing. Genesis 3 verse 9. Then the Lord God called to Adam, as God is calling to people this morning. And he said to him, where are you? <laughs> He's not saying where are you. He knew exactly where Adam was geographically. He was asking Adam, where is he in his identity? Because Adam knew no sin. The Bible said, they walked in the cool of the day. The glory of God covered them like clothing. Did you know that when Adam sinned, the first thing that Adam and Eve did in their own attempt to cover their shame, because most people fear shame. Most people live with this fear of, if I get found out, I'm going to be shamed. And so what we do is we build up these masks and these walls, and we pretend, we project happiness, we project perfection, we project we're okay. But yet inside, there's a battle. And until you haven't found your identity in Christ, the Bible says you're going to be suffering with Eve's eating disorder. It's not necessarily bulimia or anorexia, but it's speaking about, I've never eaten of the bread of life. Why do you think Jesus, when he broke communion, he said, take, eat. This is my body. He was restoring 
the eating disorder that humanity was facing. I say to you today, as a businessman, take communion often. I say to you as a family, take communion often. When you're going through battles, eat your way back into order. By having communion with the one who said you can eat on me, and order will return to your life. Are you here this morning? No, we don't understand. Everything is hidden in the Old Testament, revealed in the New. When, when, when Adam and Eve sinned, what's the first thing they did? They covered themselves with fig leaves. Why do you think Jesus curses a fig tree in the New Testament? Because he says, I've, I'm coming to take away the curse of Adam and Eve through the covering of sin, and I will become sin for you. And he curses the fig tree. He says, no longer will you be under a curse. If you're in me, you'll be free forever. I say to us, we must understand, everything is a type and a shadow. It's mixed between Adam and Moses and Christ, and yet we don't understand, if you are in Christ, you have a new identity. Where's Sakile in this? We can't see him. Why? Because he's hidden in Christ. We're going to cover this in the next few weeks. Put on the helmet of salvation. It's understanding who you are in Christ. Put on the breast. Isn't it amazing? These guys make millions of outfits on things that they put people into. Iron Man, Batman, and we go and pay movies. Avatar. Avatar is the, the top-selling movie in the history of movies. And it's a bunch of fake people behind a computer screen. We go, woo. But you tell people they're in Christ, and they say, woo, I don't so lucky. The breastplate of righteousness. Look here. They put logos on. They make millions. And you have a breastplate of righteousness. What is it? It's not your righteousness. It's the breastplate of Christ's righteousness in you. He says, prepare yourself for the, the gospel of peace. Take this message of hope to a dying world and tell them that God loves them. He says, pick up the shield of faith. Here is the shield. Pick up the shield of faith. Listen to this in closing. Are you getting something this morning? Listen to what the Bible says. Let me finish with you. Adam, where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden. I was afraid. There it is. Most people are afraid of God's judgment, afraid of God's punishment. Because I was naked and I hid myself. And what does John say? Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness on the day of judgment. Knowing that Christ took all of our sin on Him. He made Him who knew no sin to become sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. In Adam, I'm afraid of God. In Christ, I'm bold before God. Why? And notice, it's nothing that Sakile did. It's everything that Christ did. So the Bible says we can rest in that. There's a rest for the believer. Pastor, are you saying we must do nothing and just jump through the daisies? No. Let me tell you, my children, they don't have to perform for me. My children don't perform for me at all. They don't come and say, Dad... You know, am I performing well this morning, Dad? Am I, am I accepted by you, Dad? Am I performing? Actual fact, I perform because they eat all my food. But there's nothing that pleases me more than to bless my children. If you and I, being evil, know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more won't our Heavenly Father give us good gifts, give us the gift of the Spirit, give us life? Do you think I will accuse you before the Father? Don't think I'm going to accuse you before the Father. I'm your advocate. I'm your defender. I'm your protector. But come take eat of me. Eat yourself out of that eating disorder. When fear wants to grip your heart as a Christian, I say to you this morning, break bread and eat your way out of that order. Say, I'm going to eat my way out of this. Why? Because Christ said, I'm the bread of life. You'll never ever hunger again. Paul writes to the church in closing and he says this. He says, Galatians 2.20. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. Sakile, stand there. 
on the cross, in front of the cross. Paul is, is representing. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, listen, I live. <laughs> so he says, I symbolically was crucified with Christ. He says, nevertheless, I live. I'm still here. I live. He says, yet not I, <laughs> but Christ that is in me and I'm in Christ. He says, this is the new one that's living next to God in the heavenly places. He said, this is on the earth. That's my new identity in heaven. Listen. And he says, but Christ liveth in me. And the life, listen, which I now live in the flesh, I live, listen, by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Some translations say, I live by faith in the Son of God. Listen what the original translation says. I live by the faith of the Son of God. When I am now on this earth, Sakile, and I go through trials and tribulations and I get fear grips my heart, I'm not sure what my tomorrow will hold. The Bible says I don't try to live with more faith. I live now by the faith of the Son of God. I remind myself of the faith of Christ at Calvary, the faith that He had to go to Gethsemane, the faith that He had to use to go to the cross, the faith that He is to use to save mankind. He says, I remind myself now of that faith. And I live by that faith. And when I live by that faith, I now walk by my faith. And because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, I am an overcomer because of the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave His life for me. Come on, jump on your feet this morning all over this place. Jump on your feet this morning all over this place. And give Jesus a shout of praise all over this place this morning. We live fearlessly. Because of His love for us. Come on, give Him a shout of praise all over this place this morning. Stay standing if you will, please. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Nowhere does Paul say I have to do more. He says I just have to be more. Listen to the next verse. I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness comes by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. That's what the Bible says. Can I frustrate the grace of God? Yes. How? When I don't fully understand the love of God. When I live under two covenants. When I live under the old covenant of I must, I must. And I try to live under the new covenant of I must, I must. No. I live under the old covenant no longer. The old covenant is not gone. It's just it's not applicable to me. The law is, is perfect, but it's impossible. I don't live by this old rule and regulation. You see, the old covenant was rocks written on rules. And the new covenant is the rock of Christ now rules in my heart. It's different. I don't live any longer under these two covenants because when I live under this understanding that God can still punish me and I live under this covenant that if I'm good enough, God will accept me. He says, you frustrate the grace of God. Some of us are frustrating the grace of God because we're waiting for God to first forgive us. And I'm here to tell you this morning, God has forgiven you 2,000 years ago. What we have to do, the Bible says, is not try and understand who we are in the flesh. We have to understand who we are now in Christ. And I am what? In Christ, and Christ is in me. And when I go through difficulties, I look back at the cross. Now looking 
unto Jesus. And I remember his obedience. I remember his faith. And I remind myself of who I am. And I walk boldly into my future. Never fearing that God is ever going to leave me nor forsake me. You're not going to be judged by God one day because the Bible says God judged his son. He made him who knew no sin to become sin for us. That we might become the righteousness of God. Amen. So I frustrate the grace of God. I want to say to you this morning, rest. Rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ this morning. There is a rest for the believer. Hebrews chapter 4, go read it. There is a rest for the believer. And Paul says what? Well, the writer of Hebrews, I believe it's Paul that we don't know that. I think it is. But the writer of Hebrews says what? I labor to enter that rest. Some of us are laboring to try and enter heaven. And you don't have to labor. Christ labored for you 2,000 years ago. All you have to do this morning is turn your eyes upon Jesus and look to him. And the Bible says a peace will come that surpasses human understanding. A peace will flood your heart and your mind. A peace will come to you and you can cast that fear away. And as you cast that fear away, the Bible says, my peace I leave with you. Not as the world gives do I give. I want every head but every eye closed this morning over this place. As we close off the service this morning. Such a great presence of God. Please believe us praying as we conclude the service this morning. You stay in this place this morning. Come on. I just am so expecting this morning what God wants to do in through so many lives this morning. But you're staying in this place saying, Pastor, I never knew this before. I never understood this before. I can't say that with full assurance as I'm standing in this place this morning that I'm even sure if I'll go to heaven. Why? Because there's nothing that you have to do or could do. It's everything Christ has already done for you. My question to you this morning, have you put on Christ? Are you in Christ? Is Christ in you? The Bible said, for everyone who is in Adam, the wages of sin is death. Romans chapter 3, for the wages of sin is death. He said, at the end of a life that's not in Christ, he says there's going to be a salary, a wage. And he says, unfortunately, that wage is going to equate to death. But the Bible says, God made his son Christ, who knew no sin, to become sin. So that you and I can become righteous. You can't save yourself. You can't get to heaven outside of going through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. You can't make yourself righteous. You have to become righteous. You can't, if you, if you try to make yourself righteous, you become self-righteous. And I say to you this morning, all you have to do this morning is put Christ on. Again, I always use the analogy of this jacket. If I had this jacket and it was given to me, you say, wow, pastor, I love your jacket. Where did you get it from? I said, no, it was given to me. It's a gift. The Bible said salvation is a gift. And we have to receive the gift. Where can I buy that jacket, pastor? You can't. It's only made by one manufacturer. And he only comes around when he invites you to receive the gift. This morning you're standing in God's presence and he's inviting you to receive the gift of salvation. Have you put, you, have you put Christ on? Maybe you're standing in this place this morning saying, Pastor, actually, maybe you're religious like I was. Went to church, read my Bible, but I had no living relation. I didn't understand. I was always afraid of God. I always thought God's out with a big stick, with a big black book to punish me. There's a stirring in my spirit and I realize my life's not right with God. I realized this morning that if I should die in the next 24 hours, I'm not even certain where I'd spend eternity. I want to say to you this morning, don't stand here this morning with fear. Stand here this morning with expectation and receive Him into your heart this morning. To as many as received Him, He gave them the right to become the sons and the daughters of God. Perhaps you're feeling far from God this morning, saying, Pastor, I want peace. I want the peace of God back in my heart this morning. Maybe you've been tormented in so many areas of your life maybe there's something that's been tormenting you for years and you just realize this morning you have to cast that thing away i want to say to you this morning just cast it away cast it away by faith just cast it away because we love him because he first loved us 
Thank you for listening to this powerful message. If your life was impacted in any way and you would want to connect to any of our CRC churches worldwide, then please go visit our website at crccapetown.co.za and click on the Plan a Visit tab. Thank you for listening.